Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So what's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And today's teaching is going to be called Jehovah is He. Jehovah is he. Now, why I want to go here tonight and get into this is because I feel like that, you know, there's a lot of false doctrine going on in the world. There's a lot of things concerning, um, you know, who Jehovah is. Um, You got the Jehovah Witnesses and their theory and their logic and their matter of understanding. Then you got the oneness Pentecostal group, you know, that's talking about that Jesus, the Father and the Son are the same. And then you've got other groups like, um, you know, those who believe in the triune God and, you know, other things like that. So I think this is going to be a big teaching and I'm excited to do it, you know, because one thing we're going to see when we get through with this whole study is that Jehovah truly is he. All right. So I want to get started. I want to go right into Psalm 96 and then we'll go into prayer. And then from there, we'll get right into this lesson. So this is Psalm 96. We're going to begin at verse one. And it says, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Shew forth his salvation from day to day. So, you know, a lot of people can have their theories and their understanding of who they believe they're talking about here in Psalm 96 and 4. But verse 2 says, sing unto the Lord, bless his name, shew forth his salvation from day to day. Now, if I had to take a look at this, we only got one Savior who is the bringer of salvation. And I personally believe that that is Jesus Christ. But I'm going to continue and read. Verse three says, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. That's the lowercase g, little g. Okay, so this God of ours is to be feared above all gods. Now, anything, there is only one true God, but Anything that you make your God, that you obey, that you spend time with, that you love more than the true God, that can be your God. So when it says he is to be feared above all gods, there were a lot of demons, fallen angels, and the devil himself calling themselves gods. And people have built idols unto these gods. But it says that our God, which is God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, is to be feared above all gods. Verse 5 says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So that tells us a little something about, you know, who this God is. Because when you look at it, it says that all the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 
Now we know that in the beginning, you know, God made the heavens and the earth, but then it also says later on in the New Testament that all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. Okay, so that, you know, the plot thickens. We're gonna continue to go. Look at verse six. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come unto his courts or come into his courts. So, you know, this is really interesting when you look at the words here that the Bible's using, because if you think about it, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Okay, I just wanted to bring that on. Now let's keep going. He says in verse nine, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth, the world also shall be established that it shall be not moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Uh, then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. So this also reminds you too, when Jesus said, remember when he came into town and Jesus came you know, on a donkey to be worshiped that day, to go into Jerusalem, and remember the people were saying that the, um, the the people were saying to Jesus, these people are worshiping you and laying down palms before you and doing these things. I think that's in Matthew 21. And Jesus said, if these people did not praise that the very stones would cry out and praise Jesus. So that ought to tell you something about our Jesus and the authority that he walked in and all that he truly is. Because I think as Christians, we just barely scratch the surface of who our Lord and Savior truly is, who Jesus Christ is, who is God the Father. You know, and I think that when Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter six, and he became undone because he got to see the Lord for who he is. And from that moment, Isaiah lived his life as a true prophet before the Lord, going where the Lord told him to go and doing what the Lord told him to do. Once you have come into the presence of God, you are never the same. Look at verse 13. He says, before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. So if I had to make my guess on who this is, and I'm not guessing, the Bible is telling us, and this is even something that David knew, but he made clear that the Lord is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. And you know that all authority has been given over to Jesus Christ from the Father to the Son. Jesus is coming back to judge the world. He will be the lion of the tribe of Judah and we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The unbelievers will stand before the great white throne of judgment a thousand years later. So this is really interesting, but our God is to be feared above all gods. Now we can uh, go into prayer and then we're going to talk about this Jehovah who is he. 
Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time for my brothers and sisters that I have with me online, Lord, for those who listen in now, for those who will listen in later, and for those who will listen in in the future. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you anoint these messages, that you may open the eyes of those who cannot see and the ears of those who cannot hear and the hearts of those who cannot understand, that they may have an understanding as to who you are this day. And that at the end of it all, Lord, that they may seek you in righteousness and true holiness, that they may wander and go after you, that they may thirst and hunger after righteousness, for you promised, Lord, that these people will be filled. And I pray today, Lord, that no man's heart be heard today, that no flesh be glorified, but by your spirit, Lord, and your spirit alone, that we invite the Holy Ghost to come here and to teach us your word and to speak your wisdom and truth, that he may bring us into all truth and righteousness. And I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you trodden him under the feet of your church, Lord, that he may truly be your enemies, will be your footstool, that we may stand and reign with you and may glorify you with every ounce of our beings, that you may tell us one day, well done, thou good and faithful servants. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just and true and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name we pray, amen. All right, so I wanna go from here unto Matthew 22, and I wanna look at verse 41, okay? As we give reverence to our God, the only true God that is and was and is to come. So let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to look at verse 41. All right, Matthew 22 and verse 41. It says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit down on my right hand till I have made thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? and no man was able to answer him a word. Neither only we can put to bed and put to silence who Jesus Christ is today because Jesus asked him a logical question. Who do you think Christ is? And they said, the son of David. Of course, they were following the scriptures of Psalm 110 and Jesus made it very clear to them that if that is the case, how can David call in the spirit Jesus Lord or call Christ Lord and then he says, how is David also his son? So that tells you right there that Jesus Christ had more rank than just being the son of God. Yes, he said that he was the son of God. 
Yes, he said he can do nothing aside from what his father tells him to do. But what we must understand about father and son is that they are one. And when you understand that they are one, it's just like if I were to have a child and that child was born, that child would be no less human than I am. Jesus Christ never openly came out and said he was God, but he was hoping that people would come to that conclusion and have an understanding that he truly was God. That's why he asked him this question. It wasn't good enough that he was the son of man. It wasn't good enough that he was the son of David out of the lineage of David. He also wanted them to know that he was the son of God, holy and divine, just like his father and God in the flesh. That's why they called him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So let's go forward. Let's go forward into talking about this word Jehovah because Jehovah had many, um, well, it had three titles that I, I can, scriptures to understanding. So I want to go to Genesis verse one, two and one. Thank you, Jesus. This is Genesis chapter 22, and we're gonna look at verse one, and it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son only, thine only son, Isaac, uh, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I tell you thereof or thee of. And Abraham arose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, here am I, my son. And he, he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for, I, for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So notice when Abraham had received instruction, to pretty much just let them know that, you know, he was going to um, make a sacrifice or God commanded Abraham to make one. Abraham knew that it was his only son he was speaking of, but he never regretted it. He never even questioned it. He never even said, Lord, are you sure you're talking about my son? So I think that Abraham knew full well who Jehovah was. And by the way, when you see the name Jehovah, guys, it never said in the Bible that that's the way his name was supposed to be pronounced. When it says the Lord or it says Jehovah, what it says is um, it's really supposed to be the vowels that were, not the vowels, the continents that were Y-H-W-H. -H. 
It never said that that's how his name was supposed to be pronounced, but people added vowels to it and called it Jehovah. But you know, deep down, all we know him is as the Lord. We don't know what Jehovah means, okay? But I think that there is deeper meaning to the word Jehovah as we go into this. All right, and by the way, I am not a Jehovah's witness, okay? I, I go against their doctrine and I preach the gospel, okay? And, and try and tell them what the truth is. So anyway, he says in verse eight, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, uh, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. So Abraham had a special place with the Lord because the Lord knew and he was just testing him to see if he would hold anything back from the Lord. So as you can see, Abraham did not, he was gonna strike his son, but God made it clear. Now he sees that he fears God and now he sees that he would hold nothing back, not even his only son from the Lord. Okay, so anyway, in verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So when you look up the name Jehovah, it just means the existing one. It means, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It means several things. Okay, so I just want to bring forward this uh, thing. So let's look up the word Jehovah Jireh. This is H3070. And the word means Jehovah sees. Symbolic name given by Abraham to Mount Moriah in commemoration of the interposition of the angel of Jehovah uh, who prevented the sacrifice of Isaac and provided a substitute. So Jehovah Jireh means that God sees. What did God see? God saw the righteousness of Abraham. And we're gonna compare this to how this is even um, brought in the same place as Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so when it says that Jehovah sees, we know that um, it makes clear in many places that um, God sees all things, that he hears the prayers of the righteous. Okay, so that's what we're talking about concerning this. Let's go to Hebrews uh, 4 and let's look at verse 13 to make this comparison here. Hebrews 4 and 13, comparing Jehovah Jireh, okay? Okay, Hebrews 4, and let's look at verse 13. Look at what it says here. It says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him uh, with whom we have to do. 
So that's speaking clearly of Jesus Christ. You know that when you read the book of Hebrews, in the very beginning, it tells you who Jesus Christ is, but it makes clear in verse 13 again, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. So God sees all, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So let's move on. I wanna go to another place to prove about this Jehovah Jireh. God saw the righteousness of Abraham. Jesus Christ, who was also God, sees all things on earth. All right, so let's go to uh, John 4. Let's go to St. John chapter 4. And let's look at verse 28. Now, you guys remember when Jesus was talking here at the woman, to the woman at the well, when she perceived that he was a prophet because he was telling her all these things, she was so excited that he revealed himself to her as the Messiah that she was ready to go run and tell everybody in the town. So look at what the woman says. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So this woman knew that the Christ would be able to tell her all things that she had ever done because these people knew that Christ was the son of God. He was with the father in the beginning. So as you can see, Jehovah Jireh can be applied to Jesus Christ, which is our Lord. Praise ye the Lord. All right, so let's move on to another place. Let's go to, um, let's go to Exodus chapter six. I wanna go there real quick. Okay, Exodus six, and let's look at verse one. You guys remember at this point, the Israelites were given over to hard, to hard bondage where they were enslaved. Moses came to try and deliver the people. And Moses told Pharaoh, the Lord said that you need to let my people go. Okay, and Pharaoh made clear to Moses in chapter five, Exodus chapter five, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So, you know, Moses tried, uh, Pharaoh made the work of the Israelites even harder. The Israelites began to blame Moses and Moses went to the Lord and said, Lord, you sent me to help deliver these people. But ever since I've been here, Pharaoh hasn't compromised or Pharaoh hasn't helped out. He didn't let the people go and the people are not happy to see me. They're judging Moses because of the very fact that Moses came to liberate them. So we're gonna pick it up in Exodus chapter six and verse one, and we're gonna find out exactly what the Lord is going to do. And he's going to say, all right, so this is Exodus six, look at verse one. He says, then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall, shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. If you look at when he says, I am the Lord, that's H3068. If you look up the word there, it's the YHWH, which you know a lot of people call today Jehovah, meaning the existing one. 
the proper name of the one true God, unpronounced except with the vowels, pointings of, you know, that yad Hey vav Hey, or where some people would say, you know, Jehovah. But the point that he's bringing forward here is he was making it clear that he is the Lord, okay? And he says, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. So what he's making clear is that God, you know, did um, this Jehovah or this Lord did show himself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Okay, so that tells you there that if you go to Genesis chapter 18, it tells you clearly that that must have been the same Lord that came to visit uh, Abraham and proclaimed that he would have a son and sat there and ate with him even and, and told him that the child's name would be Isaac, meaning he laughs, remember, because Sarah laughed at him. So he revealed himself to Abraham, he revealed himself to Isaac and to Jacob, but the name Jehovah was he not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them. I give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Now you remember he promised Abraham that he would um, make him a father of many nations and give him many things. That was back in Genesis 22. But it's making clear about this Jehovah what he said he would do. He says, wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, that word is Jehovah again, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with, and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for inheritance. I am the Lord. So he made it clear that he was God before them. He promised the children of Israel that he would get them out. Now, you know, when you read later on in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, that the Lord did bring them into the land around the time they came to Joshua. But who was that God that was with them in the wilderness that was taking them through all these things? So I just want to make another quick point here. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. And I promise you guys, I'm not gonna be doing a lot of switching back and forth. I just wanna make a point here. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, and um, let's look at verse one. All right, and it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye would, uh, that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers uh, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was 
Christ. So that tells you right there that the very Lord, the spokesperson for God the Father, the very Lord that they call the Logos, the intelligence of God, was Jesus Christ that was speaking to Moses when he even appeared to him as the burning bush. So that's what this subject's gonna be about. We're gonna reverence the name of Jesus as we talk about this, our Lord, that Jehovah God, because we're going to make clear that Jesus Christ is also himself Jehovah, okay? That's why I named the title what I named it tonight, Jehovah is He. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag tonight, and anybody that doesn't wanna hear it, then man, go somewhere, okay? But I'm going to prove without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is one God, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is God the Son of God the Father. And he, in many cases, is mentioned as Lord in the Old Testament. Now, a lot of people are gonna say, you know, is every time Lord is mentioned, is it Jesus? And the answer to that is no. And we're gonna cover the answer to that. In many cases, they're speaking of God the Father, but they're also speaking of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's what we're gonna be getting in tonight. So let's look at the second uh, title of Jehovah. Now we, we covered Jehovah Jireh, which means uh, God sees. Now we're gonna go to Exodus 17, and we're gonna look at verse one. So let's go to Exodus 17 and one, okay? And it says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this? that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle um, with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the children and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand upon, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So who said that they were going to stand on the rock? The Lord said he was going to stand on the rock, and they were going to smite the rock, right? And water was going to pour from it. Now we know that it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that that rock was Christ. So we understand here that who's speaking before the people here is Christ. All right, look at verse seven. And he called the name of the place Masa and um, Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out of men 
and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said uh, to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed uh, stayed up his hands, uh, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So what's going on here, I want to explain, is that they're making clear that Amalek, you know, when they were at war with Israel, Moses had the staff in his hand. When Moses held up his staff, Israel would win against the enemy. When Moses put down his staff, okay, that they began to lose. Okay, so there were there was her and Aaron that were holding up Moses' staff, that it stayed up high. And what ended up happening? Joshua was able to discomfort. That means to destroy, to twist, to mangle. They mangled and destroyed the enemy as long as they held up that staff. And I'm going to prove that that staff was Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for it will utterly put down the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. So we understand there's another title of this Jehovah. So let's look up Jehovah Nisi. That word is H3070. And when you look up the word, it says Jehovah is my banner. Now, who is our banner today? Jesus Christ. So what we're gonna do is compare this to Jesus Christ. So let's go to John chapter three. All right, that's St. John. St. John chapter three. And I want to look up, uh, let's look up verse 13 and look at what the Lord says here. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, believeth in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. So some people may say, is that the same story as Moses lifting up the serpent? No, but the lifting up of the staff meant that Jesus Christ must be lifted up. For those who lift up Christ, they will be saved. So when it says Jehovah is their banner, Jesus Christ is our banner. I wanna go to Matthew 12 to prove another point with this, and then we'll get right into the lesson. Okay, so this is Matthew 12. And uh, let's see where I wanna go. Let's see, Matthew chapter 12 and... Uh, 
Okay, let's start at verse 38. So this is Matthew 12 and verse 38, and it says, then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, Master, we would see a son from thee. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a son, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be um, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places and seeking rest and finding none. Then saith he, I will return into my house whence I came out. And when it is swept and garnished, or when it is garnished, he findeth it empty, uh, swept and garnished. Uh, then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the later state of that man is worse than the first. Then it says, even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So actually, I was looking for something else. I believe it's John 12, so forgive me, guys. But a good point concerning that was that Jesus Christ was greater than those who were not following him. I mean, well, greater than those who preceded him. So that was about lifting up Jesus, okay? So then um, let me go to the uh, the part that I want to go to. Okay, so Jesus said, this is verse 30. This is John 12 and 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So we understand that when Jesus Christ is lifted up, that is our victory. Aside from Jesus Christ, you and I can do nothing. When it says that all things that we do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, that proves that Jehovah Nisi is the same thing as we worship our Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ is our banner. Okay, so I just wanted to make that comparison. Then um, you can even, um, I wanna go to another spot. Let's go to Judges 6 and verse 16, and we're gonna look at the third title of Jehovah, all right? So Judges 6 and let's look at verse 16, okay? And it says, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now remember, this was the story of Gideon and Gideon's forces were small. He only had 300 men compared to all that were the Midianites, which I think they had something like 200,000. But God was trying to comfort Gideon and say, hey, you will be victorious. All you've got to do is keep your eyes stayed on me. 
And he said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then shew me a sign that thou um, talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of the of an ephah of, of flour, of the flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. Now notice he brought the offering under an oak. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, you know, hung on a tree, you know, the sacrifice was made on a tree, but he put under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth and he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, at last, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day. And it is yet in Ophrah, uh, Ophrah of the Abiz uh, uh, rites. Okay, so it's of the Abiz rites, but he's making the point here that the third title here is Jehovah Shalom. So let's look what that means. That's G3073. And that word means Jehovah is peace. Now, you know, we're going to compare this, of course, to Jesus Christ, because we're going to make all these points. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, and let's look at verse 6. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. We're going to stop all the twisting, guys, but I want to make these points concerning the title of Jehovah. So this is Isaiah 9 and 6, and it says... For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So you know that this prophecy was about Jesus Christ. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is our counselor. Jesus is the Mighty God. Jesus is an everlasting father. Now he's not the father, but he was acting in ways as a father to the children of Israel. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Aside from me, you can do nothing. And then he's called here, the Prince of Peace. So that tells you that this Jehovah Shalom can be mentioned as Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace. I want to bring up another point concerning that. Let's go to John 14, and I want to look at verse 27 on this point. Okay, John 14, 
And let's look at verse 27. Look at what Jesus says unto his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I, but um, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said, I go unto my father for my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. So some people may try and bring up this and says, no, wait a minute. It says that the father is greater than Jesus. So how can Jesus be Jehovah? I'm gonna bring forward this point to let people understand that God the Father is the God and Father of Jesus Christ. But what we also must understand is that Jesus Christ is one with the Father. If I have a child, if I beget a son, okay, unless I'm mutated, that child will be no less more human than I am. They will be equal kinds of human, just like Jesus is equal, well, I wouldn't say equal to the Father, but Jesus has the same divine nature and is also God, the Son of the Father. I'm going to bring forward all these points, but right now we're going to celebrate the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to go to Isaiah chapter 12, and I want to look at verse 1. Isaiah 12 and 1. I promise, guys, we're going somewhere, but I want to make these points concerning Jesus because I'm gonna prove that the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. God the Father doesn't deal with man. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, God the Father does not deal with men. God, the, We have a mediator between God and man, which is the man Christ Jesus, who we know is the son of God, God in the flesh. So this is Isaiah 12, let's look at verse one. It says, and in that day shalt thou say, O Lord, those are all caps, I will praise thee. Though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. We only have one savior that is responsible for our salvation, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, with joy shall, we, shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. So notice what it says in verse three. Therefore, with joy shall he draw water, or you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall they say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. So we understand here, this scripture can be compared to Jesus. I want you guys to focus your eyes on verse three here, when he says, therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now hold 
to where you are because we're going to go to John chapter 7. Let's go to John chapter 7. And I want to look at verse, uh, let's look at verse 37. So this is John uh, 7, and let's look at verse 37. It says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then it says in verse 39, but this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So we understand that Jesus is saying, come unto him, like he told the woman at the well in John 4, if you come unto him, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. So this also proves that Jesus Christ is Jehovah, okay? A lot of people don't wanna hear this, but we're gonna continue and I'm gonna make countless points concerning this. So let's look at, uh, let's look at Isaiah uh, 26 and I wanna look at verse one. I know this is a lot of turning for people, but I wanna put this thing to silence. We are gonna stop at some point, but I wanna silence this thing about people knowing who Jesus Christ is because Jehovah Witnesses won't have a leg to stand on after this one. So this is Isaiah 26, and let's look at verse one. He says, in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, you know that Jesus said, we don't need to go there, but in John 15, Jesus says, aside from him, you can do nothing. He said that every branch that will not stay connected to the vine will wither away and be cast into the fire. So the Lord is our strength. David said in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Jesus had also proclaimed to be who? Our salvation and also the light of the world. You guys see where this is going? That the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed, the New Testament, Jesus Christ revealed. Okay, so I wanna continue. I want to go on to, um, I think we can dive into that. I wanna go to Isaiah 41 and let's look at verse one. We're gonna keep it in Isaiah for a while. Let's go to Isaiah 41 and let's look at verse one. And in your spare time, guys, look up teachings on, um, I mean, look up uh, Judges chapter 14 or 13, where it actually talks about that the Lord or an angel of the Lord came to see uh, Samson and his wife. I mean, Samson's uh, dead and his wife. 
And what happened with that? They made clear that they had seen the face of God. And it says that the name of the Lord was a secret and that he would bring salvation. So this is Isaiah 41. Let's look at verse one. He says, keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Let them, uh, let then, let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to, the, to his sword uh, and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone uh, with his feet who have wrought and done it, and done it, uh, calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. So I, Jehovah, that's what they're saying, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. So he calls himself that, okay? Now let's look at, um, let's look at uh, Isaiah 44. And let's look at verse one. I'm bringing this point up for a reason. The Lord called himself God, Jehovah, the first and the last. So let's look at Isaiah 44. Okay, and let's look at verse one. We're gonna make some comparisons here. Isaiah 44 and one, he says, yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom I have chosen, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which uh, will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeserun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Now, this is the Lord saying this, that he's gonna pour water on him that is thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up, as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. Uh, one shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me, there is no God. So that tells us there that he's calling himself the first and the last, and he says beside him, there is no God. All right, now I could go to Isaiah 48, verses one through 12, and say that he's the first and the last too, but I'm not gonna go there, so from here, I mean, matter of fact, let's go to um, Isaiah 42, and I want to look at verse 1. I promise, guys, this is going to make sense. Isaiah 42, and I want to look at verse 1 because I want to put to bed the oneness Pentecostalism doctrine, and I also want to put to bed this Jehovah Witness doctrine, talking about how they love Jehovah God, but yet they just call Jesus Christ the Son of God as if he's not significant at all. So let's look at Isaiah 42, look at verse one. He says, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, 
in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. So remember, you know, in John 1, the Bible even talks about that Jesus Christ would come full of what? Grace and truth. Look at verse four, he shall not fail, nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord, or thus saith the God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out. So notice it's he who created the heavens and stretched them out. You're gonna find out how significant this is. He that spread forth the earth and, um, and that which has come out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them uh, that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee the righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. So look at what the Lord, the one who made the heaven said that he would do. He says, look at verse six, and I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light to the Gentiles. Look at verse seven, this is important. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He says, I am the Lord. That word is Jehovah again. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So some people would say, okay. So it's saying here that this is Jehovah, that is his name and his glory will he not give to another. But the focus in this whole verse is verse seven, how he's gonna open blind eyes. He's gonna release those who are in prison and um, you know, release those that sit in darkness out of the prison house. So from here, I wanna go to Luke chapter four. And I wanna look at verse 18. Now you look at what Jesus Christ says, okay? This is Luke four and verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, those in prison, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So what does that tell you about Jesus? Jesus Christ is Jehovah, okay? And I'm gonna make so many points on this to the point that it makes people sick, that they must understand. Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. New Testament, Jesus Christ revealed. All right, so let's go to Revelation chapter one and let's begin at verse one. 
All right. This is Revelation 1. Let's look at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he spent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So we understand that Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father into the earth to show everybody what's going to come to pass and the things that would befall the people of God. Those who believe, look at verse two, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you and peace from and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. So notice the title they gave Jesus. He is and he was and he is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Thank you, Jesus. So out of the blood of Jesus, you and I were able to be washed clean and redeemed. Look at verse six. And have made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him to be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Now look at what Jesus says here. I am the Alpha and the Omega. What is that? He is the beginning and the end. And then it says, saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, uh, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. This is written in red letter. So this is Jesus Christ speaking. The first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So he made clear, this is Jesus Christ declaring, he is the first and he is the last. The same as it was in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. So it makes clear here, Jehovah is he. Jehovah is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Jesus Christ is the Omega. Let's go to Revelation 22. I just want to make this point. 
And then we're going to get on the oneness Pentecostalism stuff. Look at uh, Revelation 22, and let's look at verse 13. What does it say? This is, uh, look at verse 12. And behold, I come quickly. This is written in red letter. This is Jesus. And my reward is with me to give every man according his work, according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So Jehovah is he, which is Jesus Christ. So anyway, I want to move forward. I just wanted to make a few key points. Okay, let's go to, um, let's see, uh, Exodus. Uh, let's go to Exodus. Let's look at verse 13. Exodus chapter three. All right, in verse 13, and it says, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto, unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? So this is what the people are asking. Now, Moses at this time was talking to the burning bush. And Moses said, what shall I say unto them when I see the children of Israel that I may tell them who sent me? Look at what he says in verse 14. And God, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So it made clear that he's, he's calling himself, I am. I am that I am. Now we know that this burning bush, if this is Jehovah, that this must be Jesus Christ. So we're gonna continue. I wanna go to a few other spots. I'm sorry I'm running all over the place, but I got a lot to cover, but I will promise you guys that I am going to settle down. So let's look at John 6. Because that word I am seems to pop up a lot. All right, John 6. And let's look at verse 35. John 6 and 35. What does Jesus say unto the people? And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The same promises that Jehovah made, Jesus Christ is saying. So that's an I am. He is the bread of life. If you believe on him, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. Let's go to John 8 and let's look at verse 12. John 8, well, verse um, 12, and it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So that tells us again that Jesus Christ has the same promise that Jehovah promised, all right, that he would do. Jesus is calling himself the light of the world. And he there was another I am. Let's go to John chapter 10. And let's begin at verse one. We're going to get two I am's here of Jesus Christ. 
He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter or portal openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am, there's another I am, the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the third title applied to Jesus, he is, I am the door. So look at what he says. Here's another one coming in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. So that's Jesus Christ. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep or for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is acknowledging his Father here, but Jesus is making clear he is the good shepherd. I just wanted to make that point, okay? So let's go to um, John 11, and I want to look at verse 25. John 11. And verse 25, you see all these I am's applied to Jesus the same way I am is mentioned when he says, I am the Lord. Look at verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life that, um, uh, the life he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? So Jesus is asking this question, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection? So that means unless you put all your stock in Jesus Christ, Jehovah Witness, okay, then you are not going to be resurrected on the coming of Jesus Christ. That's something they better, because they want to stamp everything to God the Father. Now, don't get me wrong. God the Father deserves all the praise, honor, and glory because it was God the Father who is greater than Jesus Christ that sent the Son. God the Father is also Jehovah. Now, some people may say, well, how can that be? 
I'm going to tackle that in just a minute, but I also want to make this point that God the Father is the God and Father of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, but Jesus Christ is also Jehovah. Let's make this point. All right, I want to finish with the rest of the I am's. I got two more to go. Let's look at John 14. And let's look at verse six. Look at what Jesus says unto them. John 14 and six, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus Christ is that way, the truth, and the life. Unless we pin everything to Jesus, we will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. So now you see why I'm saying Jehovah is he. Let's look at John 15, right next door. Let's look at verse one. Here's another I am statement of Jesus Christ. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So Jesus Christ is the vine. The father is the gardener. Okay, and he says every every branch that don't bring forth fruit, the husbandman who is who is the God the Father is going to take those branches and throw them in the fire. Okay, look at verse three. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And when I means nothing, it means absolutely nothing. Look at verse six. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and in my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye shall, what, what ye, we shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So Jesus is making very clear here that if we abide in Jesus Christ, that we will be saved. Aside from abiding in Jesus, we've got absolutely nothing, is why this title of this teaching is Jehovah is He. Now, some people are gonna say, because I mentioned that Jehovah is not just applied to Jesus Christ, but it is also to the Father, okay? Now, let's look and see how this can be so. So let's go to, uh, I wanna go back to John 10, Okay, back to John 10, and let's look at verse 23. John 10, and let's look at verse 23. And it says, And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. 
but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. And as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I know them and they follow me. So this is a lesson for us all concerning Jesus Christ because Jesus made clear his sheep know his voice. Jehovah Witnesses will go out there and tell people that Jehovah God is God the Father and they won't pay attention to anything else. You know, there's my sister Dawn. Hey Dawn, you know, praise the Lord, you know, because we're giving all the praise and glory and honor unto Jesus Christ. But what a lot of them are bringing forward is they believe that Jehovah God is everything and Jesus Christ is nothing. But unless they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they will not, you know, uh, make it into the kingdom of heaven. There is no other God besides um, God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but we're going to find how the Father and Son can also be called God, okay? How they both can be Jehovah. So anyway, he says in verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So Jesus has a grip on them. And Jesus says that no man can pluck um, his sheep out of his hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So they both have a grip on us, okay? God the Father is the God and Father of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is also God and our Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus did come to the earth to show you and I how to glorify the Father. That was the main purpose of why he came, that he may show us total humility, how to get full of the spirit, how to be a son of God by coming down and demonstrating because he was the only begotten of the father. Okay, so he says, his father is greater than all. He says, my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So Jesus was making clear, you can't separate them. Yes, they are two distinct persons. And yes, they have, they both have a will, but their wills are the same because they believe the same. Okay. And they are, they are God. They are one. Okay. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shewed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered. Now, it's important that we have an understanding of what the Jews are saying here, because that will give them an understanding. The Pharisees or the Jews understood more of what Jesus is saying than Jehovah Witnesses and a lot of people do today. You look at this. Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man makest thyself God. So they know that Jesus Christ, if he can call himself the son of God, he's also telling you that he is God. So that ought to make it clear to people what Jesus Christ was saying. Yes, he has a father. Yes, his father is God and his God. Yes, his father is greater than all. 
But they understood if you call yourself the son of God and you came forth from God as you claim, then you are also God. That's what they better understand and acknowledge and get concerning Jesus Christ. Now let's go to John 5. I want to make this point. John 5 and verse 16. John 5 and 16, and look at what it says. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. When my father commands me to work, I work. Jesus and the father are one. Okay, so he's making the point here. Look at verse 18. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God, equal with God. They knew for you to call yourself the son of God meant that you were also in Christ Jesus. Now, early in this chapter, Paul was trying to tell them to be, to mind your brother, worry about the things of your brother, esteem your brother more than yourself, okay? And that's why he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came to show us how to reverence the Father. He showed us how to glorify the Father. So that's what this is about. He says, who being in the form of God, Jesus is in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus could have come along and very well have declared himself as God, not God the Father, but God the Son. It wasn't robbery to be equal with God or to come that way. But it says in verse seven, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So it made clear that Jesus humbled himself before his father, even unto death and the death of the cross. Look at verse nine. Wherefore God the Father, God, also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if we were to call Jesus Christ Lord, okay, that is making it clear that that glorifies God the Father. And we're gonna even get to the point here that you're gonna even see where the Father calls the Son also God, okay? Now that's gonna put to bed whether or not Jesus Christ is God and Jesus Christ is Jehovah. People need to look at the Bible as it is and see. Notice that no angel in the world was ever able to receive his own praise. For those that did, they were kicked out and bound in hell, okay, to the coming of judgment, or they were kicked out of heaven. But you see, Jesus Christ 
received worship on many occasions. When people worshiped Jesus, he received it. Okay, now if Jesus received worship and he's not God, then that would be an incredibly blasphemous thing to do. When the, when the uh, Pharisees said, who can, for, who can forgive sin but God alone? I agree with the Pharisees on that. That's why Jesus Christ could forgive sin because he was God the Son that represented God the Father. Praise ye the Lord. So I wanna move on, I wanna get to another point. Um, I wanna go to John chapter one. Let's go to John one. We're gonna put to bed anything that, that says that Jesus Christ is not God. Let's look at John chapter one. John one, let's look at verse one. Look at what it says in the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of all things was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jehovah Witnesses have to move this out of their Bibles by trying to say that the word was a God. If you say that the word was a God, that means you're believing in another God, but they don't want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God. But it made clear, John here is being revealed this and shown this. In the beginning was Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ was with God. God who? God the Father. And Jesus Christ was God. The word, the logos, the intelligence of God, the mouthpiece of God was also God. This is what they're saying. Verse two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. By who? By the word. Who was the word? Jesus Christ. And without him, without Jesus, was not anything made. So Jesus Christ, if you go back to Genesis 1, when God the Father said, let us make man in our image, he was speaking to God the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's why it made clear at the beginning of creation what happened, that the Lord said, let there be light, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters and he began creating. The earth was created and the heavens by God the Father. Um, I mean, it was made for God the Father, or God the Father commanded it to be made by God the Son with the power of the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Spirit. If you go to 1 John 5 and 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. As Jesus declared to be one with his Father, the Holy Ghost is also one with the Father and the Son. That's why when you look at the family unit, you can see that that's the image of God. The Father, the Son, and I'm not gonna call the Holy Ghost a mother, but the Holy Ghost is known as the comforter or nurturing spirit to help us grow and be right in Christ. So as you can see, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Mother, Father, Child. That's the image of, of the Godhead. Praise ye the Lord. And I'm not saying the Holy Ghost is a woman because he's not. The Bible makes clear that the, the comforter is a male. It's he. Okay, he's not male, but he's described as he. Okay, God is patriarchal. God is not matriarchal. 
That's why it says Adam was made in the image of God. Okay, and then and then Eve was supposed to be the glory of Adam. She came forth from Adam. She's womb man out of the womb of a man. All right. So anyway, it says all things were made by Jesus. Look at verse four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And today that light of Christ is still shining, and people still can't comprehend who he is. Look at verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. So John the Baptist was not Jesus, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So the world was made by Jesus and the world didn't know him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So for those who believed in Jesus Christ, okay, they became the sons of God. He gave them power for those who believe on the name of Christ. Now you know why there's no power with the Jehovah Witnesses, okay, and Mormons and all these other groups that think he's Michael the Archangel, that actually believe that the Father and the Son are the same. That's blasphemous, okay? And I'm gonna prove to you how that can't be. Yes, they are both God, but they are two different distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And they, we are one God and three per. Well, he's one God and three persons. And what do we have with us? We are one person in three parts, which is body, soul, and spirit. All right. So anyway, verse 13 says, uh, well, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's why the Bible tells us we need to be born again so we can stop being of the nature of Adam and be a partaker of the nature of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh. You know that that's Jesus and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So this whole thing is about Jesus Christ. I could stop now, but you know what? I'm just feeling it deep down inside that I want to reverence Christ. Let's go to Hebrews 1 and let's look at verse 1. We're almost done, by the way. I'm not going to keep everybody, but you know, Hebrews 1 and 1, we are going to reverence our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at Hebrews 1. Let's look at verse 1. It says, God, that's God the Father, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. 
hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So how did God the Father speak to us? Through his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So God the Father had appointed Jesus Christ heir of all things. Everything that God the Father owns, Jesus Christ owns. And then it says, of whom also Jesus Christ made the worlds. Okay. Verse three, uh, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. So you see, Jesus was elevated to, to be with his father on his right side. But it says, by himself, Jesus Christ purged us of our sins. Now you gotta think about this. Jesus Christ is the creator of Adam and all that is. It would only make sense that God himself endured the cross because it was his creation, that his shed blood can wash you and I clean. That's an act that would only make sense unless we saw, it wouldn't make sense unless we saw that God himself was on the cross for you and I. Look at verse four, being made. And that, that being made doesn't mean Jesus was created. It was being established so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So Jesus obtained a more excellent name than any of the angels. Look at verse five. For unto which of the angels said God the Father, that's what it means by said he, which of the angels did God the Father say at any time, thou art my son this day, have I begotten thee? And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When did God the father say that Michael the archangel was his son? When did he say that any son, okay, or any angel was his son? And that includes Lucifer Mormons because Mormons believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers because they, they also believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel. But God the father here is asking this question and Hebrews 1 and verse 5, when did I say that any angel at any time was my son? Look at verse 6. And again, if in the first begotten into the world, saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So when all the angels worship Jesus, who maketh his angels, um, spirits and his ministers of flame of fire, but unto the sun. So he just told you what everybody else was in their place, but now the father is directing his attention to his son. But unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever in a scepter of righteousness is the thy king. Father his son is forever and ever be the same. They're distinct. But one thing God the Father did call his son here was also God. Now, what y'all gonna do about that? 
What are you going to say about that? The father called his own son God, and yet to this day, people won't acknowledge because you know why? They have not the spirit. They don't know the revelation. They don't have the voice of God. They don't know the voice of God. They have no relationship. And when you do that, you can be perceived or, or deceived into believing anything is true except the very fact that Jehovah is he. Let's move on. I want to go to Colossians 1, and let's look at verse 15. And I'm so excited tonight that I get to talk about my Lord, my Lord and Savior. Praise be the name of the Lord. The problem is with us as Christians, we don't lift up the name of Jesus enough. And when you've got that sort of thing going on, you will fall victim to your enemies. But you see, Jesus Christ is our strength. Jesus Christ is our life. Jesus Christ is our bread. Jesus Christ is our light. Jesus Christ is the true vine. Aside from Jesus Christ, we've got nothing. He is the good shepherd. He is the door. He is that he is. And unless we acknowledge him, we will not be one with Jesus Christ. This is Colossians 1. Let's look at verse 15. Who is the image? of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Those are all ranks of angels. All things were created by him. They were created by Jesus and for him. They were created for Jesus. So let's look at verse 17. And he who is Jesus is before all things, and by him all things consist. In Jesus Christ, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, Jesus is in he, might have the preeminence. What is the word preeminence? That's G4409. And it says to be first, to hold the first place. Jesus Christ should be first in every single one of our hearts, above all. Look at verse uh, 19. Look at what it says. For it pleased the Father that in him, which is Jesus, should all fullness dwell. So all fullness should be in Jesus Christ. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Look at verse 20 again, guys. And having made peace through the blood of Jesus's cross by Jesus to reconcile all things unto himself, unto Jesus, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Then it says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now have he reconciled. 
So we were all sinners. We were all unbelievers. We were all against Christ at some point in our lives before getting saved, but it made clear that he had reconciled us unto him in his blood. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So if we continue in the faith with Jesus Christ, grounded and settled, and not moved away from the gospel or the hope of the gospel, then we will be like Christ as Paul was under, um, as Paul was made a minister. Verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I, this is Paul, am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. What is the mystery that God is manifesting unto his saints? That's the Holy Spirit that we get from believing in God. And I wanna tell people today, don't just be baptized and be settled with that. Man, learn to pray and fast before your God. Get stronger with him and press in hard that he may baptize you in the spirit. Make every prayer and make every act of fasting, okay? Be a part of being made to be baptized in the spirit where God puts his spirit on you, that you speak with new tongues, that you cast out devils, that you heal the sick, that you can pick up serpents, and nothing will happen till you are cast out serpents that you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Guys, I'm telling you as the time draws nigh and the devil plans to make his move, let you and I press in hard in our prayers. No five minute, no 10 minute prayers. Start praying longer for Christ, okay? Because he's got the Holy Ghost that he can give you and I to empower us to work the works of Christ that he did when he was here. Press in hard, get that spirit. Yes, you got the Holy Ghost when you were baptized, but now you need to be filled. Pray that you be full of Christ, that Christ lives in you and works through you. Look at verse 27. That's the mystery that he's given to his saints. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles in you, the hope of glory. That's a fulfilling of the spirit. If you were baptized once, but you've been led to sin and you've been doing all kinds of sinful acts, I wanna tell you, go and get another dip, okay? And I'm not talking about being corrected of Christ and moving forward. Go and get another dip that you can take your salvation serious, that you can seek Christ 
and have him grow in you and formed in you to work the works of Christ. This is verse 28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Man, this is what we want, guys. And this is what we don't want to go away. This is what we want to be a part of, that we may seek Christ in the inner man, that Christ will live in us. And then we can truly declare that Jehovah is he. Last scripture of the night. Let's go back to John chapter eight. And we're gonna look at verse 44, where we will conclude. This is John eight. And let's look at verse 44. So pray for me, guys, because I got a bit of a cold. Oh, that's embarrassing. But, you know, I got a cold and, you know, just pray for me. And the enemy tries to attack, but our God is good and he can do all things. So this is John 8. Let's look at verse 44. This is Jesus addressing the Pharisees. He says, ye are of your father, the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a beginning and abode not in the truth because he is. there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Jesus is making clear, if you, whoever that you listen to is your God, okay? If you're a sinner, then your father is the devil. But if you seek every day to draw closer to Christ and be led by his spirit, the Bible makes clear that that who we yield our members to, we are the servants thereof. So if we yield our members to sin, then we're sinners and our father is the devil. I'm not saying you won't have sins that the Lord will clean out, but you've got to be susceptible to the spirit to let God take you through the process of sanctification. Not sinning willfully, but sinning in ignorance, the Holy Ghost can correct. But when you sin willfully after hearing the truth, man, that's dangerous territory to fool around with God. Look at verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. If you are of God, guys, you will hear the words of God. But if you're not of God, you're not going to hear him. So you can preach all day long and people will not pick up the truth because they are not of God. What is the problem? You need to be born again. That's what that's about. Look at verse 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? So he's calling him a Samaritan because a Samaritan is a kind of like mixed up Jew, okay? Not like fully a Jew. So they wanna call Jesus a Samaritan because they, they hear the words that Jesus is saying and they're thinking that it's blasphemous. And then they're saying that Jesus has demons and he has a devil. Look at verse 49, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. 
So you see how things have to go? Jesus says he honors his father. So you ought to honor Jesus. If you be in Jesus, all things are all things consist in Jesus. But the Jehovah Witnesses want to jump straight over Jesus unto God the Father. And as he said in John 10, that door is shut. You can't get in unless you acknowledge and you get to know Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 49, Jesus answered, I am not a devil, but I honor my father and you do dishonor me. And I seek and I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judges. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. So you see, they didn't understand Jesus. They didn't want to acknowledge Jesus. And it's not because they couldn't understand. They wanted to be above Jesus. So it says that he says that if any man um, keep up under Jesus, he will never taste of death. He'll never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou has a devil. So they're looking God in the flesh, in the face, and calling him a devil. Jesus said they'll do the same thing to you and I. He says, Abraham is dead in the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. You know, verse 53, uh, art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead and the prophets that are dead? Who makest thou thyself? Who do you call yourself, Jesus? You think, are you, are you greater than Abraham? Are you greater than the prophets? Who are you to declare yourself that you need to be honored? But see, this they did not understand because they did not understand that Jehovah is he. So let's continue. Just about done. Verse 15, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet, yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and I keep his saying. So Jesus knows him. And that's why the Bible says, I think it's in first John, that no man can say he knows God unless he obeys God and seeks after God. If you obey God, then you know him. You can't say you know God and be a partaker in sin and sin willfully. So anyway, look at verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So one thing we know here is that Abraham had seen the Lord. The Lord actually came to um, see Abraham in Genesis 18, where Jesus ate with them and Jesus made clear to him that you're gonna have a son. Even though you're old, you're gonna have a son. Also, you can even look at Melchizedek, which I got a teaching coming up on, okay, that, well, it's already done and ready to roll, but, you know, the Lord, um, you know, people are trying to find out who is this Melchizedek. Was he a Christophany? Was he Jesus Christ? We're going to talk about this because it makes clear here, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, 
Art thou not yet 50 years old? And hast thou seen Abraham? So you're not even 50, Jesus. How could you sit here and say that you know Abraham? Look at verse 58. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus is to come. Jesus is Jehovah. Jehovah is he. King of kings, Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star. And unless we give everything to Christ, you and I will not make it. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out through the and went out of the temple, going through the middle of them, and so passed by. So he was also the first invisible man. Praise ye, Jesus Christ, how he disappeared and went right through the midst of them and passed by. We've got a true hero, guys. We've got a true Lord and Savior. We've got someone greater than Superman, Batman, anybody, Galactus, or any of you kids out there that love Marvel and DC. They don't hold a torch to Jesus. If they were real, Jesus Christ can take them all by himself simply by speaking the word or thinking it. You've got no idea the type of idol that you have, that, that someone that you can look up to, that you can glory in, and he wants to know you and become your friend and live in you. I just want to say to people today, this is the creator that wants to know you and I, that wants us to become full of him, that we can live with him in eternity. If you know you're not saved and no one knows this more than you, then you can give your life to Jesus today. I don't care what you've done in the past. If it's abortion, repent of it and ask God to remove you from a spirit of murder that you can be one with Christ. If it's homosexuality, ask the Lord to clean you out and repent of it so that you can move forward as a true man or woman, the creation that God made in Christ. If you have fornicated, committed adultery, if you've lied, if you've been an adult, I mean, if you've been an idolater, if you've done anything, Jesus Christ can take you away from your sin, just as if you had never sinned. Here's what you do. Repent of your sins, fall down on your knees, pour out your heart to God in all sincerity. Ask Jesus Christ to become your personal Lord and Savior. Believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Believe that he died for your sins and that his shed blood can wash you and I clean. And when you do that, you will have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. For the that he may breathe upon you, that he may live in you and lead you on to glory as he has been led unto glory. And I just want to say to people out there, I love you. Give your life to Christ because Jehovah is he. I'm going to pray out right now. And from here, you know, we can close. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls, that may transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you were glorified. I pray that the truth was spoken. I pray in Jesus' name that people will receive you and see who you are 
that they may honor you, that they may serve you, and that they may understand that you will never give your, your glory unto another. I pray, Lord, that you cleanse us, that you wash us free of all unrighteousness, that you pluck iniquity up by the roots, that you cause us not to transgress, for you said that he that is able to keep you from falling and the only wise God with dominion and power and glory, which is you, Lord Jesus, we pray that you guide us as the good shepherd. We pray that you feed us as the bread of life. We pray, Lord, that you guide us as the true light and that you resurrect us, Lord, for you are the resurrection, that we stay connected to you for you are the true vine and that you, Lord, will open that door unto us to any repentant heart that they may walk through, Lord, for you are the door. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. I know for some of you on the East Coast, tonight at uh, 1030 uh, Eastern Time, I'm going to do a teaching called The Spirit of Compromise. So if you can, tune in. I believe it is going to be good. You're going to get some information in Pacific Time. You know, it's 7.30 p.m., but we're going to tackle the spirit of compromise, not in our own power, but in the power of Jesus Christ, okay, because Jehovah is he. So I just want to say I love you all. Until later on tonight or next time, have a good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.